Welcome to MIM Cuts to the Chase podcast series. I'm your host, Guy Hazelman. Today, we'll discuss long, short credit strategies. Our guest is Josh Lofgren, a portfolio manager and member of the investment grade credit team for MetLife Investment Management, where he leads the long, short credit strategy. MIM manages a total of $638 billion where fixed income strategies account for approximately $355 billion of assets. Welcome, Josh. Thanks, Guy. It's nice to be here. All right. Let's get right to it and cut to the chase. Financial markets during the past, say, two years are starkly different than the prior decade, which I'd characterize as that of relative calm, low volatility, and abundant monetary accommodation. Could you comment on what adjustments you and your team are making to adapt to this new market environment? Sure. So, you know, to your point, it's a far different environment now. The Fed put is gone, volatility is back, and that certainly creates some more challenges, but also creates more opportunities, which is exciting for us. You know, we're in an environment where the market is often failing to really differentiate credits. Um, you know, and, and instead, they're just trading issuers in the market like they're widgets, when in reality, there's a massive difference between the fundamentals of these issuers and their ability to withstand an economic downturn. Uh, for instance, the, the impact of the current economic stresses on, an, on a restaurant operator is contending with wage inflation, food inflation, uh, labor shortages, slowing consumer spending. Uh, that's vastly different than the energy company who's pulling a commodity out of the ground whose price continues to benefit from a significant supply-demand imbalance. So our team is really laser-focused now uh, on forecasting which issuers have balance sheets that are built to withstand what's what's likely going to be a continued rough patch for uh, credit. And we're asking the analyst teams to really stress their models to identify the winners and losers. Uh, and having the outstanding level of credit expertise that our team has should really be a benefit as we seek to continue to provide consistent and attractive risk-adjusted returns for our clients. I think that was an excellent summary. And as you outlined, the characteristics of financial markets are just so different today from when inflation was anchored around 2% and central banks were providing constant and, and aggressive accommodation. As you say, the Fed put is gone when I was a PM, I saw firsthand that managing a fund has different challenges when the level of monetary and fiscal accommodation shifts from one way to the other, or when the economy is growing or slowing, or when inflation is high or low. I strongly believe that experienced portfolio managers who've traded through these shifts and cycles definitely have a greater edge. I mean, experience matters. Sure, yeah, I think you're spot on there, Guy. We feel experience is paramount. Um, there, there's many market participants who have never seen a significant economic downturn. Uh, we, you know, one of the ways, you know, probably one of the biggest ways that we see this issue manifest itself is in the liquidity, or lack thereof really, that are, that's provided by dealer deaths. Um, you know, banks are less willing to extend balance sheet than they were a decade ago. And so you have these street traders who are less willing to act as principal risk takers. And, and, and oftentimes they're just merely matchmakers between counterparties. So I believe one significant edge on the buy side comes from having an experienced trading desk with deep relationships on the street that's able to source liquidity in ways that other firms maybe can't. 
Uh, and then from the portfolio management side, I, I, I really feel a deep playbook that's been developed over many years and many economic cycles is vital. Um, the, you know, the, the end of significant central bank support has also brought an end to the buy the dip mentality. The post-COVID area was, was a boon for risk assets. Consumers and, and, and corporations were flush with cash uh, and everything performed well. Well, I think going forward, financial markets will really spend several years here being more balanced, um, particularly in credit. Uh, you know, blindly buying every dip will not be the key to generating alpha. Instead, I think it's going to be the managers with a proven investment process and, and superior credit research that will be best positioned to outperform. I think credit selection will, will, will really matter again and, and is going to play a more impactful role in portfolio performance going forward. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Could you tell us about what your clients are saying in regard to asset allocation and portfolio construction conversations in this new environment? Sure. You know, so we, we have many clients, you know, that are benchmarked to an index. And, and, and so like always, you know, those conversations are, are, are going to be centered around our approach and, and ways to try and generate positive excess returns through security selection and sector rotation. Um, there's always a lot of nuance to those conversations on, on how we might do that. But the song remains the same, so to speak, as to our overarching goal with those clients. You know, where I'd say the conversations have, have really changed and really evolved are with those clients and prospects that are focused on absolute returns. You know, most of that cohort are folks who view fixed income as the safe option in their asset allocation. You, know, you often hear about fixed income being the ballast to their equity allocation because you know, for years, those asset classes have been negatively correlated. And that's the premise of the traditional 60-40 portfolio. You have that 60% in stocks that provides capital appreciation and then your 40% uh, and fixed income that should give you income and risk mitigation. Well, that 40% isn't giving you either of those attributes this year. No doubt the stock bond mix or the hedge that uh, it, the way it's supposed to perform in a portfolio is, uh, has not done what it's supposed to do. There's even some talk that this was the year that the 60-40 portfolio died. Yeah, I mean, look, if it if it hasn't died, it, it, it certainly seems to have a foot in the grave. Um, you know, I, I just I just was reading a stat the other day. The 60-40 portfolio just had its worst start two years since 1932. You know, if you look at, at the most well-known fixed income benchmark in the world is the Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate Index. That's down 10% this year. Um, equities, as, as measured by the S&P, are down 20%. So, you know, we, we just think that for some of these end users, there are better ways to allocate that 40% or whatever their desired fixed income allocation is. Um, so, you know, here at MetLife Investment Management, we've, we've built a business on the back of traditional fixed income solutions, but we also recognize the need for alternative fixed income solutions. And, and that's really what long short credit is. I mean, at a high level, long short credit is intended to be an absolute return strategy. And, and what that means is we're trying to generate positive total returns regardless of the market environment. And we think there's a place for that type of strategy in every investor's portfolio, um, now more so than ever. You know, what, what we're trying to do in the long short credit strategy is take advantage of the inefficiencies in the credit market without exposing ourselves to the gyrations of the interest rate market. We think there's a pretty compelling case for certain investors to allocate to this strategy versus a traditional fixed income strategy or to even view it as a, as a, as a complement to a traditional fixed income strategy.
Yeah, using a long, short credit as strategy, as a risk mitigator, makes sense and also fits into your comment earlier about preferences for active management over passive strategies. So let's stay on that point for a minute, given, especially given how much money is kind of flown into passive strategies over the last couple of years. So could you elaborate or provide some other reasons why you believe it's an allocation strategy that makes sense in today's environment? Sure. I mean, we, we've really been spoiled for years here with a bit of a downside cap on the market, courtesy of the Fed. I mean, you could allocate capital while almost having a built-in stop loss. It's a different market now. You know, rate, rate ball is, is historically high, spread ball is high, and, and, and therefore fixed income just has a far riskier profile than most market participants are accustomed to. So we think in today's environment, you want to be allocated to a strategy that has the potential to shelter you from a further downdraft in, in uh, returns but then also has the ability to flip the switch when the market signposts begin to signal that we've reached an inflection point. And so we think that's what long credit strategy can really offer, the ability to help protect on the downside without sacrificing the potential to participate in the upside. And I like to say philosophically, what we're trying to do is we're trying to deliver higher correlation to up markets and zero correlation to down markets. So we don't think of launcher credit as a strategy that's a that's a tactical allocation for just whenever vol spikes and fixed income total return forecasts look bleak but rather we really believe it's an all-weather strategy that's that's worthy of a core position in any asset allocation with net exposures of long short credit strategies so much lower than a long only strategy how should performance be measured you know we think it should be thought of as an absolute return strategy and and, and therefore really the best benchmark is the return that can be earned by cash. From a portfolio point of view, aside from your performance objectives of beating cash plus, you know, you're going to have an objective higher than that, and those other attributes that you already mentioned, uh, what other objectives are you and your team hoping to achieve? Our team aims to, to really maintain a low correlation to broader fixed income indices, um, and we're trying to minimize interest rate sensitivities. So we focus on the idiosyncratic trade ideas, and, and the goal is, is really to create a strategy that can act as an attractive portfolio diversifier, uh, a volatility dampener, and one that mitigates downside risk for a multi-asset portfolio. Given so many economic and geopolitical uncertainties, you know, I'll outline a few of them specifically, and there are a lot, specifically with the Ukraine war, the pandemic, inflation and divergent global central bank policies. And I agree that it makes sense to find opportunistic and risk mitigating strategies. And there was a lot in, in talking about those uncertainties. So with that, let me see if you have any final thoughts. For the reasons that you just mentioned, uh, you know, I, I believe it's an ideal time for investors to consider allocating to launcher credit. But not all launcher credit strategies are created equal. I, I, I really believe the implementation of the strategy should really have key tenets, and you know, some of which I mentioned, but maybe it just makes sense to, to summarize them here. First, we, we really believe that it's important to partner with a manager who has robust resources across research, trading, and portfolio management, um, and that really seeks to uncover attractive total return ideas 
across both the quality and, and, and maturity spectrum. You know, second, you know, we, we think the strategy should really seek to minimize interest rate sens sensitivity um, and find idiosyncratic trade ideas that are inherently low duration. And then third, for it to act as an attractive diversifier and volatility dampener, it should really aim to provide low correlation to broad fixed income indices, such as the Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate um, Bond Index or, or really any credit heavy index. Um, and then lastly, it, it, it should aim to act as a downside risk mitigator through proper portfolio construction and, and, and rigorous risk management framework. You know, done correctly, we feel the strategy has the potential to earn positive returns in any environment or market cycle. And I think that was an outstanding summary. And so that's a perfect place to end today. Thank you, Josh, for sharing your insights. And hopefully we'll have you back soon. Thank you, Guy. I look forward to it. It is not MetLife Investment Management's intention to provide, and you may not rely on this podcast as providing, a recommendation with respect to any particular investment strategy or investment. The information and opinions presented or contained in this podcast are provided as of the date it was published.